the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. You got Mark Donnelly and Kara Waddell, and we're coming to you today from the Swiss Alps in mm-hmm. Davos. <laughs> Thank you, Angelique and for this uh, musical opening of the meeting. Your Royal Highnesses. This, of course, is the great Klaus Schwab. Excellencies, distinguished heads of state and government, Excellencies, dear partners and friends of the World Economic Forum, a very cordial welcome to the 2023 annual meeting. We are coming together under the motto, Cooperation in the Fact... It's kind of hard to understand, isn't it? Yeah. I know. You have to kind of listen more closely. Yeah. Um, it's got a, definitely a heavy, heavy accent. Yeah, so this is the first time it's been back in Davos since really the pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because they, they didn't have it for a year. Then they the next year they didn't have it because right. or they put it in the summer somewhere because of the winter COVID. Right. So this is like the first time it's been back in the winter, you know, the snow and, and Switzerland. At the beginning of this year, we are confronted with unprecedented and multiple challenges. Hmm, difficult challenges. First, our global economy is undergoing deep transformation. The energy transition, the consequences of COVID, the reshaping of supply chains are all serving as catalytic forces for the economic transformation. And the hotspots of this geo-economic remodeling so what are, the hot are high inflation, high inflation, inflation increasing, interest rates, increasing interest rates, and growing national debt. Growing national debt. Mm. This is particularly hurting low- and middle-income groups. It is exacerbating societal fragmentation. It, it, He's a cheery guy, isn't he? Carrie? So, well, I think he's being all real. It would be fun to have over Thanksgiving dinner, wouldn't he? Um, so, what did he say there? Yeah. So he he's so he he's he talked about the the main concerns that we're talking about 
in the United States as well, right? High inflation, increasing interest rates, growing national debt, and how this is hurting the middle class. And, you know, and, and he went on to say, um, you know, that this deep systematic transformation that's going on. Um, and he, you know, later on in the, in the, his speech, he was talking about climate change, you know, and nuclear threats of nuclear war, um, extreme poverty, some of the third world, you know, uh, issues, third world issues. Um, and the, the, the theme for this year at Davos is cooperation in a fragmented world. Now, I find Davos fascinating, Gary. Can I do the whole show on Davos, Gary? Can I do the whole show on Davos conspiracies? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I won't do the whole show on them, but it, I just I find it fascinating. It's been around well, fifty some years. I think it started in nineteen seventy, and it's it's the World Economic Forum and all the conspiracies around them, the Great Reset. You've heard right? Them all. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I don't know. You know, I don't trust anything anymore. Well, you know, and and that's not so. That's one interesting part about Davos, and that's not what's most interesting to me. Um, you, you always have the high, you know, the high rollers there, right? Um, and I, I guess <laughs> to explain it, you got the high rollers, uh, you know, you've got the political leaders. Now there were someone absent this year because of the Eastern European right. war going on. So, so they, they, like Biden wasn't there obviously, or, or any of the UK, you know, none of the, right. you know, the, the G7 leaders were there really. Maybe the one guy from Germany. I don't think was. they're, they're missing anything without. Well, Biden. yeah, they're not the smartest ones anyway. I was going right? to say no. But then you've got the top economists globally, um, central bankers sometimes show up there. Um, and, and, and then you, you, you've got the top business leaders, mm-hmm. you know, the CEOs who I do think are some of the smartest people right. in the world. And that's who I'm looking. That's what I'm trying to get is what are they saying to, about the current global economy? Um, how do you describe, I guess maybe Jamie Dimon, speaking of, you know, CEOs, you know, JP Morgan fame, he maybe had the best description of all of Davos care when he said it was the place where the billionaires tell the millionaires how the middle class feels. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and, and I don't, but the conspiracy alone are great theories, you know, you know, the, the, uh, so one, like one conspiracy theory. I'm not going to go too much on conspiracy, but one was the the fact that there's this conspiracy theory out there. The far right is saying that one of the goals, objectives of the World Economic Forum is that nobody owns any private property anymore. Have you heard this? Yeah. You know, you but don't. It's being bought up, like, and they talk about all the land being bought up. Right. You don't own your house. You don't own any private property. Which sucks. It, and and it's it's this thing where okay, and and so the Washington Examiner they interviewed Paul Smike. I thought, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, Kerry. He's the regional agenda of North America for a World Economic Forum, and that was just one of the issues they brought him. That what about this? You know, is this really you know right? You know, and he and he kind of came back and said, um, you know, the, the quote is, "You own." Nothing Nothing and you'll be happy, right? You know that's the that's the slogan. Oh, that's uh, terrible. Or, or I own nothing, have no privacy, and life was never better. You know this idea. You know trying to get the young kids to believe that you don't need to own a car. You can Uber. Yeah, you, you don't need. You know, remember all these all these the rent right. they're staying in these small apartments or they're and paying or ridiculous amounts of monthly yeah. rent. Yeah, who okay. who who's buying that? So the Paul responded. He's saying, you, you know, he asked the interviewer, said, "Do you really know where that came from?" 
And the interviewer goes, well, not really. And, and he said, well, all right. It's, he said, it started by about six years ago. And he said, you know, so our World Economic Forum, we have a blog. You know, it's an opinion right. thing. Anyone can drop an opinion on there. Right. And he said, oh, that's all it was. It was just one person's opinion that he threw out on the, on the opinion blog. Right. And he goes, it, it's never, it's not our policy. It's, it's not our perspective. Uh, you know, <laughs> thank God. And, yeah. And, and he goes, we, we, We've never said that that's your. So anyways, but the, the one interesting, I don't know if it's a conspiracy, but one one leader who was present, Carrie, was, you, you know, president of Ukraine, Zelensky. Mm-hmm. And he addressed the Davos crowd this year. And but one of the things that I, I don't know, he kind of came out with the saying that he doesn't know if Putin's really alive. I'm thinking, I haven't heard that. One. And I'm like, why are you even suggest? I mean, so here, here's this quote, I, I you know. Here's this quote. I don't quite understand who to talk to about that. I'm not sure that the Russian president who sometimes appears against a green screen is actually the right one. We could say uh, that about Biden, right? Isn't there conspiracy I, theories about I don't, that? Yeah, I don't quite understand if he is alive or whether he makes decisions or whoever else makes decisions there. What group of people could be making any decision in Russia? I, I don't have that kind of information. What? Okay, well, why are you talking about that? Here? I know. I mean, don't you think that if Putin was dead, that we in America would know that by now? I would think you would, but you know what? I mean, is it just? I mean, I don't think that adds credibility and... to his no his case to come out with something like that. Um, so the uh, all right. So but so so let's talk about. So let's forget about the conspiracy theories of Davos and and but let's. Here, let's do a little. So, I'm just going to read some of the quotes of the lead, the business leaders. Okay. And and if you could keep track of which ones are, we'll call them the Cassandras, the ones that are calling for the end of the world, right? And which ones are the Contrarians, the ones that are saying things aren't as bad and and we're not going to have a global recession and things. Okay. So, I'm just going to okay. run through these and you keep track. And okay. So, um. Okay, so here's uh, Harvard University's professor, Kenneth Rogoff. Sticky inflation above the 2% target will force policymakers at the Federal Reserve to keep interest rates higher for longer. Inflation will eventually come down, maybe just to 2.5%, but not to 2%. But interest rates aren't going to come down to the same level as they were before. I wouldn't be surprised if the Fed's funds rate of 35 for quite a while from now. So is that a good or bad projection? I don't know. I would say that's kind of in the middle because that's not necessarily terrible. They're okay. saying it will come down, but they're just saying it won't come down as much as we He's thought. He's not it. saying the Fed I will be that, successful. I say that person's probably right in the middle. Okay. I'm going to put him under Cassandra, but you can okay. keep a third category. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, Ernst & Young. Okay. The growing threat of a major rift between the U.S. and China is being driven by politicians. Mm-hmm. Business leaders are keen to retain links between the two countries, but Democratic and Republican politicians in the U.S. are taking a harder stance, and similar pressures are visible in the U.K. and Canada. So he's kind of saying he's a Cassandra. Yeah, he's saying that say, the politicians habit. are going to are going to ruin it, and and China and U.S. are going to have. Well, I think that's a fair statement. I think that's pretty accurate around the world, probably. Okay, so so he put down a Cassandra. Okay. Um, Here's okay. The size of the looming downturn is the biggest worry for companies' bosses this year, according to uh, Marsha McLennan. Cassandra. Everyone's worried about the risk of a recession, not just a mild recession, but a hard landing later in the year. 
Yeah, I think that's a Cassandra. That's a Cassandra. Okay. Um, here's OPEC. Okay. OPEC's top official said he's cautiously optimistic about the outlook for the global economy as a recovery in oil demand in China is tempered by signs of fragility elsewhere. Oh, that's a, that's a contrarian. That's a contrarian. Okay. Um, how to Hong Kong's economy is another Hong Kong leader. Hong Kong's economy will rebound very strongly this year as tourism and consumption revives after the borders reopened. Okay. I would say that's contrarian. Um, mm-hmm. And so, Carrie, keeping track of these. Yeah. Okay. So we got two and three. Okay. Um, let's see. How about the 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 quiet quitting issue? <laughs> Managers should tackle quiet quitting. It's a top down leader's job to solve this problem. So, what's quiet quitting, Carrie? <sighs> I think that's when you the workers Stop. who are, who aren't going to do any extra work. Right. Like they just show up nine to five. Or that they're, they're doing the bare minimum to keep their job and they're not going to be let go because everybody's hurting for employees. But they're right. really they're not, not going to do the they're, they're not, not going to carry doing, the load of the people that aren't there. Right. They're going to do the bare minimum to keep their job, but they're really not going above and beyond because they know they have no chance of being fired because right. there's no one that's going to walk into their job behind them. Nothing. Yeah. So those are, it, it's even gone to a different level. Have you seen the people that are sleeping on the job now? Oh my God! So, so that's the other TikTok thing. You know, the the, the idea that these 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 quiet <laughs> quitting. What they do is they find a place in the warehouse or in the stacks of whatever, and they just sleep. Oh, that's such until see, but so uh, until that, the manager so, you know so, finds them. So it's quiet quitting is laziness, pretty much. Um, all right, so they're just being probably so, PC term. So this uh, this executive is saying. Managers have got to cut that down. I don't know if that's a contrarian or, or but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know where that one. Al Gore was at Davos, Carrie. Hard to believe, right? Um, the world oh. has got a fever. He's still saying that. The, He's so the former U.S. <laughs> vice president, who now chairs the Generation Investment Management, called for an urgent rebalancing of climate finance to ensure the oh. developing world doesn't get left oh, behind. Isn't he the man that invented the internet or something? Yeah, that's a Cassandra. All right. So he's saying. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Why are they letting him talk? Oh, <laughs> like they love that. him. Him and John Kerry too. They're, oh, they're always, good all lord! Right, so this is uh, DP World. They're the ones that make the container terminal giant. Okay, you know, so you know, moving the goods, right? Mm-hmm. Um, took a cautiously positive view on the global economy, saying the pessimism may be overblown. Um. Okay, uh, the chairman, the companies developed a resilience during the COVID pandemic that should help them cope with the slowdown. The reopening of China will be the key factor in boosting world trade. So I guess that's a contrarian, Carrie. All right. Um, how about UBS? So UBS chief uh, CEO Ralph Hammer said that 2023 will be the year of inflation. And that even as it recedes each month, he expects it to remain much higher than in the past. Higher inflation rates are here to stay. Okay. Um, And that if Europe does fall into recession, it it will likely be short and shallow. Okay. So I say he's uh, Cassandra. So he's saying that, again, that the, the higher inflation is not going away anytime soon. Um. How about Elon Musk? Now, Elon Musk isn't invited to Davos because they all hate him there because he is totally against the World Economic Forum. Right. But, uh, and, or, and the ESG, right? You know, the mm-hmm. ESG thing. So his quote, though, during Davos week, the S in ESG stands for satanic. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just had to throw that in there because I, I love Elon Musk. Yeah, you know right. what? He just has no filter, which is great now because everybody has to be filtered. How about Lehman? Of Lehman Credit Suisse. Okay, Axel So are we Lehman. counting Elon Musk as anybody? <laughs> no, I don't know. You can put him down. I, no, I think he's a – I don't know where you put him. That's a, um, <laughs> Yeah, he has his own category. All right, so let's get to Lehman. Um, optimistic that a global recession can be avoided with China reopening and huge growth coming from India. Hmm. Okay. Um, we are entering into a multipolar world. It is not a global recession. Okay. So I think that's a contrarian. That's a contrarian. Okay. Um, how about the European Central Bank governing council? Okay. Mario Centeno um, said that the euro area economy is performing better than any anticipated in the face of record inflation and the energy crisis that erupted after Russia attacked Ukraine. So I think that's another contrarian. Mm. Right, so I'll stop there. So what's All the right, count we're there, six to five, six Cassandras and five contrarians. Ooh. But that other one, it could be tied because that one we were questioning, I put as a Cassandra, which could have gone either way. So so what's the point? I think it's a toss up. Yeah. So what is the point of that? In other words, there is no consensus. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so the, the, the point of, of this discussion is that you have to make up your own opinion. In other words, if you are concerned that economic times are going to get worse than better, then what are you doing about it? Are you just sitting home on the couch complaining about it? Or are you taking active measures to say, you know, is it going to disrupt, derail my retirement plan? And that's what we've been helping clients for 36 years now understand the idea that you you have to have a long range way of you know looking out of something that's happening today what's the long range effect mm-hmm. so if we do go into a global recession if stocks go lower if interest rates stay higher it doesn't mean you're running out of money this year Right. Just in a weird way, it, it, it means that you're going to have less money <laughs> later on. The question is, how much, you know, is it shortening the longevity of your plan? And Carrie, I think you had, or you were mentioning a recent article that was saying that a lot of the baby boomers aren't really getting their arms around longevity. And even younger people, they were saying that. You know, anybody 50 or older now just can't get their head around it. They're undershooting what longevity is. They're saying 70s, maybe 80, which isn't realistic as far as when you're thinking about long term planning and numbers. And that's an issue for retirement planning. They said, you know, only a third of the people and they they had surveyed thousands got it even you know correct. So that means 70 percent are getting there and they're all coming up short. I, you know, I don't understand. I mean, I guess I'm the wrong guy to ask. Well, you know Carrie. what? I think though the problem is, is I think people may see. And granted, there are people older that are. You know, you think about your aches and pains and aging. You know, the golden years aren't always so golden. So I think sometimes, which I, getting thinking about getting to that age, maybe they just don't want to be that old. Well, either do I. But that, but I always say, don't confuse the quality of life after age 90 versus the cost of living. 
right. after age 90. And, and what I mean by it, when I said I'm the wrong person to ask, my father-in-law lived to age 97, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law lived to age 95, mm-hmm. and my mother is living right now at age 97. Mm-hmm. So don't ask me about right. longevity. Get us started. Right. So, But you need to account for that in when you're making you know, your financial decisions today. And you're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're sponsored by the estate planning team, which is an affordable fee-based Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm. What we do is financial modeling, number crunching, helping people, you could say financial coaching, through the issues of their financial life, whether they're working or already retired, um, looking at what strategies they should be taking, steps um, steps and strategies they should be using, and whether it's in preparation for retirement, or if you're in retirement, are you underspending, overspending? Are there things you can do now that can create future tax-efficient income? Are there problems you're headed for? Are there opportunities, like with the passage of the Secure Act 2.0, which we did talk about in the last few shows, and I did email anyone on the newsletter a nice two-page summary on that. But the Secure Act 2.0, for some people, um, even opened up a window more if you have IRAs or company plans. Many people have opportunities this year that they may not even be aware of because they're not looking at it. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago and we were saying, yeah, their plan's working. We had a client plan good, but let's, you know, you're not running out of money. Um, even when we used higher inflation, we had a market downturn and a slow growth. But how do we make it better? It's through, there are a lot of tools and strategies on what can we do to make it um, create more income that you need. And it's more more about net spendable income. Are you worried about long-term care? Are you worried about the market? And then even though we don't do investments, we look at our clients' assets in terms of risk growth and tax efficiency. Well, if your plan's running at a very conservative growth rate, let's start looking at those statements and having those conversations with the investment advisor, or we have clients that do the investments on their own. We don't care. That's not what we do. But if you're, you can do all the spending you want to do and then some, and you're never going to run out of money, why are you taking on more risk than needed, especially if you're worried about the market? So then those, those conversations of, allocation and talking to the investment advisor and maybe going into more fix. People don't look at these things. And if you you don't know what to do, or we don't have the answers, we know who to call, who to ask, how to find out. And we do that with our clients. As much as it's about planning and saving money and peace of mind and modeling different worst case scenarios or things that you're worried about. It's also educating people through the process so that they're more comfortable making financial decisions. And especially people are working that are worried about, you know, going into retirement when wages end, how do you create that income? And how do you start spending and enjoying it, which is a really hard if you were a a big saver to switch to that. But what else are you going to do with it? Spend it, enjoy it, do things to make your life easier. Even if you're not traveling, I mean, there's house remodeled. There's plenty of things that you can do, self-care, whatever that may be. And that's what we do. And we offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation. We're happy to do that by phone or in person to see if you can benefit from our services. We actually run preliminary analysis if you fill out our two-page worksheet. And again, we can do that by phone or in person. We're scheduling the first quarter of 2023, so you can give us a call. Uh, if you call now and leave a message, we will call you back on Monday 
or you can visit our website and you will get a response from there by Monday. If you don't get a response Monday morning, call the office. We didn't get it. I get the emails from the website and I will respond to everything. Um, sometimes I will on the weekends, but you can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. And Carrie, the other thing too, one of Klaus Schwab's at Davos. Do you remember when President Trump was at Davos? By the mm-hmm. way, remember he stopped. He, he he stole the show. Remember, right? You know, it was in 2018, right? Right okay. before the pandemic. And remember, he was the keynote speaker, and all the emphasis was, was <laughs> that was great. Um, so, what about this growing national debt? That 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 boiled over this week too, Carrie. With the, of course, everybody heard that. We reached the U.S. reached their debt ceiling on Thursday. We're mm-hmm. taping the show on Friday. Um, are, do, do you need to be concerned about that, Carrie? Mm. Um, and I don't know. It, the The debt ceiling is really a it's an invention. They Congress invented it, created it a long time ago, nineteen thirty nine, whatever. Um, and it really serves no purpose. I mean, it, it, in other words, what what's important is that the rest of the world believes that the U.S. is good on their debt, right, Gary? Right. In other words, it, it, that's the key. It's the sovereigns of, of, of our debt. Um, I was going to say, and, but yeah, the debt ceiling is an issue because, well, our politicians don't care. They just keep... Well, what I'm saying is they're going to raise the debt ceiling. Everybody knows it. And, and But it's ridiculous. Can't we cut... No, I mean the 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 debt the debt actually the debt has nothing to do with future spending. It has everything to do with what we owe already. So it, it's already what we owe, Carrie. Right. So cutting future spending really doesn't. I mean, it's 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 not really related. In other words, the risk is that if the current debt that's outstanding that we've already spent, right. that the rest of the world doesn't believe we're good for it. Right. You know, it, it flared up in 2011, right? Remember when that's when the um, the the U the S and P globe. Remember they they downgraded the U S. Mm-hmm. and it was even before and and because it, it was at the same it was the same issue. You know the the, the debt ceiling and, and there's you know, remember there's there could be government shutdowns, right. and, You know all this stuff going on, but and then the S and P. Remember they really caught caught you know heck for it. Too, when they lowered, the, you know, because none of the other agencies did. And then, of course, Congress, of course, they raised the debt. And then, then the issue was over. I, I mean, so the SP was a little, jumped the gun a little bit, perhaps. Maybe, maybe they were right. I don't know. Um, is the debt, you know, the debt ain't going to be paid off in my lifetime, Carrie. I can, I can I don't tell you that. I think in our kids' lifetime, Mark. Um, you know, Do you think it'll ever get paid off even in our kids? No. No. no <laughs> I was no, going to say. Um, you know, whether, and, and, you can say, well, why does it go? Why did it go up so fast? Why did it balloon so much? And and it doesn't matter who's in the White House or whose political party. I mean, the the the, the debt ceiling was raised under Reagan, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden. Right? I mean, take your pick. Um, why why does it go up? Well, things like things like wars. Mm-hmm. You know, in nine eleven, Gulf yeah. War, and now we have an Eastern European war. Uh, things like recessions. Right. We had three of them in the last 20, you know, you know, um, things like hundred year pandemics, you know, you know, those are reasons, partly reasons why U.S. debt has gone up. Um, I didn't see too many people returning their uh, stimulus checks back to the government saying, I, you know, pay pay (laughs) down the debt with it. I would think nobody did. All right. Um, So, so the question becomes, do you have to worry about 
this issue. Now, you're, all you're going to hear for the next six months is political grandstanding. You're going to hear the Democrats going, you know, this is not up for negotiation. We're never going to, you know, default on our debt. That would be devastating for this country and the retirees. And then you're going to hear the Republicans, and all they're going to be saying is, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling until we have spending cut promises. And in the end, neither of those are going to happen, and they'll raise the debt ceiling, Carrie. And this will be done, if not before June, in June. Okay. All right. Um, now, is there a risk of default if they don't, okay, raise the debt and they do run out of money in June? All right. Um, and so what, what, are the, what is it doing right now? Treasury Secretary yelling, you know, she's saying, again, they're going to just create a bunch of IOUs right now. You know, mm. In other words, future funding for like the retirement plans and stuff. They'll right. just they'll just borrow. They'll use that to pay off current bills. And then when they raise the debt. Then they'll just reimburse those plans, like an IOU, kind of like right. how Social Security is run, right? Right. There is no, you know, there is no fund <laughs> for Social Security. It's all IOU. All right. Um, so it, it's kind, of, but that's the whole point, you know. And 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 really, it was a Milton Friedman, right? He told us all a long time ago, debt or deficit spending is just deferral of taxation. When America gets serious about paying off their debt, Carrie, guess what they're going to do? They're going to raise taxes because mm-hmm. that's how you're going to pay off the debt. Everybody knows it. It's the it's the solution that's out there. And that's why the rest of the world knows that Americans are good for their debt because they know how wealthy America is. Isn't that the only way the government can raise revenue is raise taxes or pay off the debt? Yeah, right. But I'm saying because they're not their... going to cut spending. Right. But they should. They should be doing both. They're not because things like wars. Recessions I understand that, but what about all the crap stuff like in that bill that is ridiculous because somebody owes somebody They're a saving favor. the climate, Carrie. Oh, my God. <laughs> the climate bill. Did you see like those EV cars? I talked to a CPA talking about that like because you had brought up a few weeks about the lease car and saying, oh, they were hoping they didn't have a lot of people with the electric vehicles that were because it could be a paperwork nightmare. And and did you uh, there was an article this week where somebody bought a new Ford electric truck and it took a week. It was going to be take like five to seven days to charge it fully. Oh, I was like, it's yeah, wow. All right. Um, so, but but okay. So, could Medicare and Social Security be on the chopping block if America did go into default? Um, all right. So there were some. So let's. So there were some speakers on that this week, Carrie. All right. Um, so, like in the government shutdowns, and we've had a couple of those, right? They, remember, they didn't stop the Social Security payments or the Medicare benefits, right? Those continued right. even while the government was shut down. They stopped the Panda Camera. Remember, you know, because right. I always go to the Panda Cam right. in the government shutdown. Which, I, which I think maybe that's a reasonable cut. All right, um, but they're not going to stop Social Security checks or Medicare benefits. All right, but that may not be the case if a default happens. Okay, and this is according to Dan Adcock, who's a director of government relations and policy at the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. Is that is that a political appointed job, you think? Mm. I never heard of that. Director of government relations and policy at the National Committee to Preserve Social Security and Medicare. No it's idea. A new one to- All right. Um, but he's saying that, um, y- y- you know, that. Under a government of a debt default, yeah, then Social Security and Medicare may be cut. Um, 
But he's also saying if that ever happened, that would also cause a global economic recession or worse. And what does he mean by, oh, worse? I think maybe the D word. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Um, But then another one from the Bipartisan Policy Center. Okay. um, One of the economists there says that, you know, but he says the Treasury Department may be able to prioritize some payments, including Social Security. Um, But they also may decide to delay Social Security checks if the cash reserve is getting too small because they have to pay the debt, the interest right. on the debt. They got to pay that because if the rest of the world calls in the bonds, that's a problem, right? So the question is, okay, they're going to pay interest first. Then then probably next they're going to pay Social Security and then probably next Medicare. But if they don't have enough money to do all that, which gets cut, right? Take your pick. Flip a coin. Um, then you get into federal employee salaries, uh, maybe the food stamp, the SNAP program maybe gets cut. Um, and that you can now, you can imagine how messy that would get. Mm-hmm. And so what, how, what does Mark Donnelly think about all this? I, don't worry about this. There's enough things to worry about. Um, you know, I, I don't think either political party has the footballs, you know, to, to stop or even Football. suspend <laughs> Social Security payments because they're not going to be in office long if they do that. No. Um, it's unfathomable how, how the hardship that would cause retirees in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just not going to do it. Right. So, so what is the solution? Well, couldn't they raise, like, there's a cap on wages that are taxed right. or well, so? Those well, are yeah. easy. To me, that's an easy solution. If they really needed it, right. what's the cap now? Once, is it, did it jump to once? It was 147 left. That's 160 something. Okay, 160 yeah. something. Raise the cap on that. Take the cap off. Um, yeah, the Simpson Bowles. Remember in 2010 how much on this show I was talking about Simpson Bowles? Yes. You know, the country, they hired the smartest, brightest economists, pulled them out of their day jobs. Right. Gosh knows how much taxpayers' dollars went to pay mm-hmm. these guys. They worked for months, put a beautiful study together, and Obama just threw it under the bus. Right. And, 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 and neither, neither political party, the Democrats or, and why not? Well, because Simpson Bowles had both spending cuts, right. which the Democrats aren't, don't like. Right. It also had tax increases, which Republicans don't like. Right. It had both. It was a compromise. It, right. And it would have worked, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we'd be in the same position here right. 13 years later. But I think, though, the Social Security Medicare is an easier fix than, or at least Social Security, because not only raising the cap on wages, they could always, what, it's 6.25 now. How much money would generate if they raise it to 6.5? Or yeah. Small amounts yeah. where... There's 150 working. million Americans working right now. A, mm-hmm. a half a percent of the payroll Let's tax? get more people back to work and it'll be more. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, and I don't think you're going to see any big changes in the current uh, political field right now with Biden in the White House and a split Congress, right? The, 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 they're going to... So, again, my... my uh, opinion my recommendation mm-hmm. don't worry about this um i think in if not resolved before june they'll kick the can in june kick right. the can down the road um they'll raise the debt ceiling um there'll be no spending cuts and your social security benefits and social security checks will go on 
just fine. Right. And I think that's a reason, Mark, when you mentioned that we have a lot of people that are saying, I'm going to take Social Security at age 62 because I don't think it'll be there. And I don't think maybe that's realistically. Certainly we tell people it's your plan, but it's our job to tell you, you know, the best timing and how to maximize those benefits. Because if you, you know, every year you wait and well, there's a cut if you take it before your full retirement age. But then beyond every year you wait, that's an 8% increase. It's back to the longevity issue we mentioned earlier. Right. And and also, but, but Carrie, I wanted to pick up on your other point. See, yeah, see, when we build financial plans, it's our clients' plans. It's not our plan. Right. So if you have a different opinion, if you do think that Social Security benefits will be cut, your future benefits will be right. cut, or you're already collecting Social Security and they'll be cut, or you're if you haven't re- on Social Security yet, but your your future, we'll run that in your plan. Right. It's our job to tell people these are things you need to be aware of. This is the pluses. These are the minuses. But ultimately, let's maybe and then maybe somebody wants to see two plans with it in. Absolutely. And realistically, I want to run a worst case scenario. So let's not. We've had people that say. I'm not going to get it. Run my plan with no social oh, we've security. Had, we have a multiple clients who are saying, Mark, book the 35% drop in future social security benefits. Right. But we can model that in yeah. and say, does that material affect your retirement date, the spending you want to do? For some people, it will. Some people, it won't. But at least you know and you have a process to give you that objective information. That peace of mind. Our goal is that we're building models, financial planning models, that gives you the peace of mind that you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And how conservative or how worst case scenario you want to get, let's just tell the robot, run a different scenario. Right. I mean, that's that's the power of good financial planning. And, and 30 years ago, you couldn't do that because there were no robots that could do that. Right. So you couldn't run five different financial plan scenarios on a, on a 13 page column worksheet. Uh, but you know, but now today, yeah, we can we can make those uh, changes and say, okay, what would it be? And and it's any of those things we talked about today. If you think inflation is going to be higher for longer, if you think we're going to have a, a major recession and, and another ten to fifteen percent drop in the markets from where we are today, well, those are all things that we can model in. And what you're looking for is saying, how does that affect the longevity of my plan? And then that helps you. It makes you in a, in a decision making mode today. Do you need to work longer? Are you going to be okay still? Do you need to cut some discretionary spending? And and how much and for how long? All those things. That's what good financial planning is all about. It's not your parents' plan. You know, it's not your coworkers' plan. Mm-hmm. It's not your neighbors' plan. You you gotta you know sharpen your own elbows and make what you think is the most conservative and realistic assumptions. And maybe you have a base case plan A, and you also have a plan R or a worst case scenario. Just what if? And then you have a way of tracking your progress. And as reality changes, one of the assumptions you made, you know go you know how to go in and update your plan accordingly. Um. All right, Carrie. So what else is going on, Carrie? Um... You're talking about the market? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about inflation. Right. So, all right, we got the PPI, the producer price index. That's you know how much manufacturers get for their products. And again, as all the other indexes that we've recently gotten for December, the trend is inflation has peaked. Okay. All right. Um, we also, you, you know, the uh, 
the um, so so headline year over year came in at six point two percent increase. Um, previous month it was seven. You know, previous annual was seven point four. October's was eight. September's was eight point five. You get the thing. So from June it was eleven point three percent. So from June the PPI inflation year over year has gone from June eleven point three, July nine point eight. August 8.7, September 8.5, October 8, November 7.4, and December 6.2. That's a good sign. Although, let me tell you, I don't know what's up with eggs. Because, like, eggs here are okay, but in I was I drove to North Carolina, which is why I missed last week's show. And eggs were seven ninety nine a dozen. It's the it, what's well, the it's the bird flu, right? Didn't they have to like know, slaughter? I heard that. Well, that's but, part but of I'm it. saying in a different state. I mean, there. My daughter just sent me a picture because I was like, "You're crazy." It was eight ninety nine. She's in South Carolina. Where so I got it still for four fifty. I'm getting them at all these for under three bucks. Right, but I'm saying what is going on in the south with the eggs? Well, I think it's 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 more. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's price gouging in the. Um, now I've heard different theories. Oh, of course, Biden is going to blame it on Putin, right? Now um, I heard the government or I've heard farmers say it's because the grocery stores don't want to pay for their because their cost of their feed and everything that their cost has gone up. Right. So they don't want to pay that is well, part of the. Issue. I think that's part of it is the supply chain and the and the, and the feed that it's gone up. I think also. I think the, the 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 bird flu. I think they had a slaughter. Right. You know, I think that was a big part of right. it. And is there some price gouging on? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but you know, you know, is it time to start that? You know, start buying some chickens. You know, you can run a ch- yeah. uh, chickens now. No, you see but that? I, but I know people. Well, I I live in Medina, but I've had a couple. Of, I saw. I had a surprise party this week. Some of the um, parents said they bought chickens recently. But then yeah. they still have the feed, and they have to heat them because it's cold. And, right. But- well, yeah. Well, you, there's a company now you can rent that. You know, in, in other words, you, you can just rent a chicken coop. So they'll come, they'll set it up in your backyard. You know, with everything you need. Yeah. And then you just you you rent it, and you you contract for how long you want it. It's kind of like a like a like a backyard pop up tiki hut. Remember right. those like pop up yeah. bars? Even in the backyard, you just put pop up a, a chicken. Coop. Yeah. And uh, and then when you're done with it, you, they'll come and take it away. What an entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial, I can't say that word. Spirit, someone had with eggs. Right. You going to do that, Mark? I have <laughs> no desire. Quite. No, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't eat that many eggs. I mean, I know eggs also go into things you right. make, right? And, right. And, 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 I, I uh, might consider if I still had everybody at home. Um, yeah, I'm because kind of empty I, yeah, too. Me too. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, doing the, the, you know, the. But that full is full English breakfast right. anymore. Here. That, that is good, though. That is good news as far as when people are looking at expenses. Now, even though I was going to say too, and I know we've had a couple other clients that are giving us preliminary information, and and I got hit with that. Where even though Medicare got a decrease, that healthcare costs have gone up considerably. Like my premium is went up like almost 20%. And I've heard that from a few other clients for employees that their health care premiums jumped up considerably this well, year. That's what we, we were doing, right? Because remember, those health those health insurance premiums, they're done like a year in advance, right? right. And so the last round missed the high inflation right. of 2022, right? Right. So, so it's probably playing catch up. It, it's probably playing some catch up. And that was one of the things that, 
and and of course the Medicare B reduction was just a fluke, right? Because that was of, because of the one Alzheimer's drug, right? The the, the you know that that was a complete fiasco. But um, so it was kind of like a, a rebate, so to speak, because Medicare had, in, in advance basically overcharged. They, yeah, people. They, they, they said they had to raise the premium so much the previous year to cover this new drug, and then they came back and said, well. The new drug was postponed, and so yeah, they were, so that's not going to stay stay the course. But we do track all that, and, and then when we build a financial plan, of course, we build those separate expense schedules, and we could add. You know, we may be using two or three different inflation rates depending on the characteristic of the expense, mm-hmm. and that's how you get real. By the way, you, you you start creating your own personal inflation rate. You know, not just mm-hmm. the CPI or the PPI or the uh, you know, any of the other indexes. Um, just one more thing to carry to speaking of tech. The other one is people are waiting on real estate tax. So I had a client, you know, people are asking, well, where is the Cuyahoga County real estate bills? Right. So they should have been done. So it's an now. update we heard this week. Right. So yeah, they were bit tardy in getting out some a of the, bit, I would think, aren't they do typically do they're in the mail, Carrie. Ah, uh. Um, so, the, yeah, the original due date would have been January 26th. Which means people should have got them first week in January, if not A lot before. of people are looking for in December. You know, right, because um, what if they wanted to pay and they're bunching deductions? Well, you can go online, Okay, I think, and get your, your bill if you want to do that. Um, and that, I don't know, if, and I don't think there's any delay there. Um, but, but anyways, Cuyahoga County for those, you know, or questioning or if you or maybe this is a good reminder, if you haven't got your bill yet, right? <laughs> you're, you're, there's one coming, right? Um, go online. But I think it's now extended the payment due date to February 9th. Um, so, you know, don't miss the mail, but yeah, if you still don't get a bill, I think you can go online and get it. I guess you could probably call too, but mm-hmm. Good luck if anyone's Getting answering some... the phone at the, at the treasurer's office. Right. Um, all right. So, and and not, so last week here, you, I know you were gone, you were traveling, but one of the things I was talking about was, you know, is the four percent rule broken? Right. And the idea that you know math doesn't break, but you know, do you you can use that as a model? That's a good back of a napkin, quick way to say how much you could be spending in retirement. And we talk about the 4% mm-hmm. rule all the time. And all I was doing was saying, you know, obviously if you have a year like 2022 where you had 6.5% inflation and a 50-50 allocation, you know, down, uh, you know, 16%, mm-hmm. whatever, if you have that for the next 30 years, it's going to be a problem. Because <laughs> right? remember, the 4% rule, Benjamin's rule, was based on a 30-year time period. Mm-hmm. Not a one-year time period, not a five-year time period, a 30-year time period. So, I, yeah, obviously, if 2022 is, if that's how our economy goes for the next 29 years, the 4% rule is going to be broken. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but even with that bad year, okay, um, and 29 years prior to that, going back to 1993, I ran an actual 4% rule. In other words, I didn't just assume Benjamin's 5% rate of return. I used the actual rate of return in each of those 30 years, including last year's. And, and, and 
for my 50-50 portfolio, I'm using the S&P 500 and the aggregate bond index. Okay. Um, you, some people use different benchmarks. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. But, you know, so, so even with last year's 16.23% loss, um, you know, still the average of the 50-50 over those 30 years was 6.89%. That's pretty good. Annualized, okay. Um, instead of just assuming Benjamin's three and a half percent a year inflation, I put in the actual CPI readings for the last thirty years, okay, including last year's six and a half percent, and then the previous thirty twenty nine years, okay, okay. Um, any guess on what the thirty year annualized CPI is? Gary? I'm going to say like. 3.2. Pretty good, Carrie. 2.44. Even less. Okay. Okay. So obviously, if the 4% rule isn't broken yet, if you look at the most recent 30-year period. Right. And you're averaging things out because we have a tendency as people in society to look at things in very short-term, right. immediate time frames. So actually, if you had started with a million dollars, okay, and- the original four percent rule says that you take out forty thousand, you know, forty thousand in year one, right, and then you increase that by three and a half percent inflation, and then by the end of the thirtieth year, your million dollars would be approaching zero. Mm-hmm. That's what Benjamin's theory was about, right? And that, spending the last dollar on the last day, meaning, you know, that was a, you know, now. But if I put in the actual number, so in, in year one, instead of taking out, um, you know, the the forty thousand, I took out forty one two. You know, based on the real CPIs that was happening over the 30 years, right? And then instead of using just 5%, I did the actual benchmark, you know, the benchmark returns. And and there were multiple years, you, you had three recessions, if not four recessions in that time period. And you had double digit loss years in that time period, even those, but you also had a pretty good year, other years, you know, with the 30 year annualized of 6.89. So it, it, under this scenario, if you started with a million dollars and took out the money with the real inflation and the spending and the return, Carrie, do you think your million dollars was running out by the end of the 30th year? No. No. Actually, <laughs> the balance in your portfolio at the end of 2022 would be $2.2 million. Mm. So that's a big difference in running out. Right. And, and so I don't know. Now, obviously, <laughs> if 2022 numbers are for the next 30 years... <laughs> that mm-hmm. that'll be a different thing. But so far, I'm still saying I don't know if the four percent was. But here's my point. Back to if you're thinking that the last thirty years is not how the next thirty years are going to go. If you're thinking that five percent is too aggressive, if you're thinking inflation three and a half percent is too small, then what you can do is you can modify the four percent the rule for what you want to believe in. Right, because the math is still correct. I mean, formulas are still work. Right. So, for example, let's say you say, Mark, okay, I'm thinking that we're going to have 7% inflation for the next four years. Okay. Then it's going to drop back down to three and a half. Okay. All right. So now, instead of you know keeping everything the same, keeping a 5% rate of return on the 50-50 portfolio, starting with a million, okay, now your 4% rule becomes 3.61%. 
Okay. So let's say on top of the in, the withdrawal from the investments, let's say you had twenty four thousand dollars in Social Security income, another half spousal income of twelve. Okay. So at at the so if you were doing the original four percent rule, you'd have the forty thousand investment withdrawal plus the you know the the what I say the thirty six thousand right. in Social Security. So you'd be looking at seventy six seventy seven thousand of okay. cash um, of uh, budgeting for retirement. Okay, that's a that's the back of a napkin. That's what right. it was about. But if you're saying, hey, higher inflation, okay, I got to knock that seventy six thousand down to seventy two thousand. Okay, well, you may be able to do that, right? Right. Now let's go the other way. What if there's an economic downturn? So instead of assuming a five percent loss in the beginning years, I'm going to assume a fifty percent loss in year one. Oh, then a did zero, you say fifteen or fifty? Fifteen. Okay, I was like, whoo, yeah. that's a, not going to work yeah. at fifty. No, then a zero percent gain in like a recovery in the second year, then maybe two and a half percent gain in the third year. And then by the fourth year, you're back to the normal 5% ongoing. Okay. Okay. Now that's going to be a little bit more of a dip. That's a, that's even worse than the four years of higher inflation. Okay. So now your three, your 4% rule becomes 3.11%. Okay. Okay. And, and you would, your budget would be around 67,000. And I really think that's going to vary based on, do you have debt? How much discretionary spending versus mandatory? So this is just down and dirty quick ways to say, if we do have a worse economic conditions, what what could I be budgeting for how much I could take out? And I think before we get in that up-death plan, it gives people, are we in the ballpark? Right. As far now, as- what if you want to do the worst case scenario? Higher inflation for the next four years and the economic downturn, the sequence of between the bad year. Okay, so now I've added in higher inflation for the four years plus that 50% loss, you know, that loss. Okay, now that may be substantial enough where you have to change your plan because now your 4% rule becomes 2.75%. So instead of you're originally planning about a $76,000, $77,000 annual budget, now it's down to 63. Ooh. That's where you That's may have to go back difference. to your iron board. Okay, Carrie, let's get out of here. All right. Call the estate planning team and take advantage of a free, no obligation consultation by phone or in person. Call 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.